Welcome to Cambridge Stronger, where culture counts and values matter most. I'm your host, Amy Weber. Joining us today is President of Growth and Development at Cambridge, Jeff Vavacqua. Thank you so much for joining me today, Jeff. It's good to be here. I have been excited about this since many, many months ago when we decided that you were going to be on my show. So I'm really glad to have you here. I first want to congratulate you on being named Chief Marketing Officer of the Year at the WealthManagement.com's 2022 Industry Awards. Awesome accomplishment for you to do on your way out the door of being our Chief Marketing Officer here at Cambridge. And also congratulations on being promoted about 24 hours later to president of growth and development. So um, only you could have timed it that perfectly. One of the favorite things that I like to do in my podcast is ask my guests to talk about their journey into the financial services industry. And in your case, also your journey right here to Cambridge. Uh, It's definitely been an exciting one. You know, 28 years later, I could say I've only been in the independent channel. And I believe it's the only channel I think I ever wanted to be in from that perspective. I will tell you, coming to Cambridge 14 years ago, as I look back on it, it was the right move at the right time. And it's probably, I would describe it as the pinnacle of independence, where I was before to here. Like It gives me the ability to thrive even more so than I was before. And that's probably been the exciting part of the journey. Well, you and I have known each other for a lot of those 28 years. Um, I like to say yes, that we have. <laughs> I like to say that we grew up as babies in this industry because we're really not old enough to be old yet. But it does seem like we've been doing this a long time, and we've got some similarities in terms of levels of independence. Right, that's what you're describing is different firms who can call themselves independent for different reasons, but it's pretty fiercely independent where we've been for um, the tail end of this part of our career. So um, what made you want to be in financial services in general, though? I I actually went to school for aviation. So grew up, travel business, family had a travel agency back when they were still around in the 70s and early 80s. Um, So I grew up around airplanes, so I wanted to be aviation. But um, Went to school first year, um, but after the first year, I had met some pilots and through a bunch of conversations, I decided to switch from aviation and, uh, and my family also grew up in real estate. So I went to corporate real estate and finance. So kind of a double specialty and just finished, finished college. And eight of us from college said, let's go someplace new with the piece of paper on the wall. So we picked up and eight of us moved to Phoenix and it was between corporate real estate or uh, Schwab. And I had two opportunities and I chose Schwab and I never looked back at real estate ever again. It's been financial services ever since. And then when I was at Schwab, it was on the independent RA channel. So to me, I've always, when I say 28 years in the independent, it's truly been advisory, broker dealer, all the above. And it's always been kind of thinking of, all right, these, these advisors can decide what they can do for their clients. And I've always been a B2B to C person. And I knew where I wanted to be in financial services. Uh, and sitting right where I always thought I'd be. Be a little candid with our audience, though. You really haven't given up on aviation yet, have you? Oh, I would say not. Um, Lucky enough to live in a small town that has a a small local airport with pilots that um, teach other people to fly. And it's it's not far from the horizon. Like I, I see myself at least going back to finish my private that I didn't finish during uh, the college years. Yeah, I think you should. And I think doing things like that, one, lifelong learning, it's all 
really important for what we do here at Cambridge, but it also keeps you engaged. And don't you think there's a little bit of similarities at the level of risk-taking and decision-making that happen in an environment like that, as well as what we do here every day? Just a little bit. And, and there's a lot going on, right? You know, you think of Cambridge having 4,000 advisors all across the country having independent business models. Think about what's flying around up in the airspace. All the different planes, all having a different model of where they're flying, a different route. Um, and how is that coordinated? And uh, you think of air traffic control supporting all those individual pilots. Cambridge, independent air traffic control, supporting all of our independent financial professionals. I could make correlations all day. Yeah. Well, Cambridge and I myself were very fortunate that you picked independent broker-dealer and RIA versus aviation, or we may never have met. So um, I'm glad that, that you took that fork in the road. So um, let's talk a little bit about your day-to-day -day life. What's the difference between the day-to-day -day life of a chief marketing officer versus the day in the life of a president here at Cambridge? I'd probably say regardless of title, I would describe it as living the brand. That's what I think makes me excel is I kind of can immerse myself into the brand. And I think it's different. In my former title, I wouldn't call the CMO at Cambridge the same CMO at other firms, meaning I had sales, I had marketing, I had consulting, I had sponsor relationships, relationship management, et cetera. There was a few other things in there. So it wasn't the same. So it, it for me, I had to live the brand and I was speaking and listening, more importantly, listening to advisors of what they needed. So my day-to-day -day was, okay, how can I deliver on what the independent financial professional was asking of us? That's, I would describe that's the most fun because no two days are the same when it comes to that. And what about having the ability to provide input on what that independence looks like here? How do you put your fingerprint on things around here as it relates to what you're passionate about, as you listen? I've always said I don't like to use the word help with financial professionals, so I put my assist or consulting hat on and make sure they are asking themselves the right questions. So how do I engage the, it becomes a conversation versus a presentation or a, a direction of sorts. It becomes, okay, let's ask the questions one, two, three, four, and then what are the answers and then assist them in building the right strategy or the right plan that makes sense for where they want to go. But at the end of the day, what's important for them? Yeah. I, and that's why you're such a great fit here because it is all about them controlling their journey and charting their own course, which is your living the brand example for sure. <laughs> so in my introduction, I talk about culture counting and values mattering most. We have four core values here at Cambridge. Do you have a favorite one? And if so, why? So before coming to Cambridge, I would self-describe myself as living in the land of gray. And I never really, I really never really thought about it in the sense of, I didn't want to be pinned down to any one answer. What was it? Like, I, I remember that. I would, rather, <laughs> I would rather be presented with an opportunity or a challenge and say, okay, how do we decide this? And weigh it on its merits, look at all the things and go through it and make a decision to go forward or not go forward. So to me, flexibility in our core value at Cambridge gives me the ability to have that conversation with the advisor and say, Okay, what are you asking for? Does it make sense for you? Does it ask the right questions for both of us? And if it makes sense, I think when I got here, I realized that that's how Eric started. And, I, and then you joined and how everybody continued that same mindset. And so for me, I, I gravitate to flexibility because living in the land of gray, the power of three, you know, in decision making, 
it's it's liberating if you don't know that if haven't thought about it it becomes very liberating and it may start with listening but it's really it's really being able to just make decisions at the end of the day i will call it cambridge can control its decision making jeff can control his decision making and so on and i can empower the people that are part of my teams to be decision making that's liberating coming from places that don't give that much uh, independence you're an entrepreneur at heart. I think I've known you long enough to be able to say that. Um, and it's great to watch you leverage that flexibility to be an entrepreneur inside of our four walls. Again, giving our advisors the opportunity to, to entrepreneur themselves into what they want their business to look like. What flexibility does, it happens to be my favorite core value as well, is puts us in an environment around here where maybe we change a lot if you had somebody coming in observing us. But I would say change is really a recurring theme lately, right? The last several years in particular at the industry as well as here within our four walls. So what are some of the key items that you needed to think about, say, over the last couple of years and act on about creating change during this time? If I think about today, let's just, just talk 2022, 2023, right? I think I think about rising interest rates, right? You think of cost of capital, you think of depressed markets after 13 years of being like increasing all the time. Like how do we get a, a grounding? So for me, it wasn't hard to think about the opportunities that were in front of us. Technology, like how do we transact business more efficiently here at the home office or out in the field with the advisors and their, and their staff, right? So how do we look at opportunities for filling gaps in our offerings. And that could be with advisors, it could be things that Cambridge does. So I started to think, I, that's what kind of, I would say, comes out in that thought process is, okay, where do we wanna go and what are the things in front of us? So how do we answer those things? Just because something is going down in, in the example of a, the market, doesn't mean there's an opportunity. Like being in the very, very wee days when we first met, I was running the trading desk for a, an independent firm before I switched over and stayed on the marketing side. And what you quickly learn is even in an up and a down market for every buyer, there's a seller. So there's always activity and there's always an opportunity to do something. And I, it's still probably in there from that day to say, uh, if something changes, how do we react and what do the advisors and their end clients need? Um, so if we're not constantly thinking, which is, comes back to flexibility, right? How do we have flexibility in product? How do we have flexibility in platforms? How do we have flexibility in the services that we make available to our financial professionals? Like, at the end of the day, it's, what do they need to grow their business? Ask your client, deliver. You and I would get extremely bored if we didn't have flexibility and change in our lives, likely, but you and I also both know that change isn't easy for everyone. So is there anything in particular that you've adjusted about your leadership style over the last couple of years to help others adapt to the amount of change that the industry is going through? I would, if I had to think about change, my motto, my work ethic is we show up, it's what we do. How do I make that an infectious trait? So that's what drives me. So I, I believe I have to set a good example. I believe I have to show up. Um, and whether, whether it's good or bad times, thinking of the last couple of years, how do we show up for the financial professionals? How do we show up for the associates? And everything's changed as we know in the last couple of years from where and how people work 
to communication methods and stuff and how do we interact with the end clients um, the advisors and clients so from that perspective like I have to constantly remind myself as much things that I've learned over the years I have to constantly share and give back because as soon as I stop sharing then all the teams that are involved or anybody close to me even outside of my teams like they stop learning and I've always called myself a sponge I would call myself as a leader a sponge of knowledge or of of always trying to sponge up as much as I can. Um, and if I don't share that, then how can somebody else sponge? Because I feel like I've learned from you and other people over the years. So I have to remind myself all the time that we may not have all the answers, but sometimes it comes out of collaboration and sharing of knowledge. And it changed a lot when, for all of us, I think, when we had to go virtual for a while, right? Our, our level of sharing, I don't know about you, but I'm used to maybe sharing as I'm wandering through the hallway from one meeting to the next and that went away and it was interesting after as many years as we've been in the business to learn a new way of communicating and having to adapt our communication style right it is I would if I had to say what is one thing that we probably as an industry and as Cambridge we all had to do better on it was communication and in so many different ways um, professionally and personally speaking How's everybody's well-being? How's everybody's business? And how are your end clients? Like those, and this is what we're working on today, or this is what's changed and this is what's evolving because it, it did. It's, it's a different marketplace than 2019, and that's okay. It allowed all of us to expand, including myself. Like we all learned something new and how people reacted to change. In many ways, healthier for it, for sure, even though a lot of bad things happened during that time yeah. frame. Let's shift gears a little bit. What are some of the key topics that your team plans to focus on to support our financial professionals in the upcoming year? I think it goes back to some of the same things I was thinking about a second ago. When I, What am I thinking about for 23? Um, how do we think of the service gaps? So how do we all have a mindset as a growth and development group of teams to say, when you look at a financial professional's business, from the client walking in the front door to, say, processing performance reports on the back end, like, are there things that Cambridge can be doing, providing, supporting, assisting, coaching on, consulting on, whatever that looks like for a financial professional? Like, are there gaps in our service model that we can deliver? One, can we deliver those? Two, can we partner with any of our financial professionals to potentially fill some of those gaps? Or are there vendors outside that we can buy something versus building something? So the same way we talk about Cambridge's growth, whether it's organic, recruiting, or acquisition, or an advisor's growth can be any of those three legs of the stool. I say the same thing. Any of those three legs of, of identifying opportunities and filling in that service model for the advisor, how can we do that? And be present, which is, comes from listening. And do you think it's important that we at Cambridge have the ability for an advisor to want to grow, but only in one of those legs of the stool. So for the audience, why don't you repeat the three legs of the stool and how we think about that, but then shift that to, if I only want to focus on growing organically and I'm not interested in a second one of the legs, how does that all work? I recently uh, presented at the advisory summit in, in Denver, and it was part of my presentation. So we talked through the three legs of the stool for Cambridge, we have to decide as a firm how we want to grow. We have always grown through recruiting and adding new advisors that fit our Cambridge um, independent model. But we've also have uh, 4,000 advisors um, and their businesses, I'll refer to that as how are they growing? 
they could grow organically. And then we have firms that we have, could talk about acquiring um, and acquiring them and to join Cambridge. So when Cambridge looks at three legs of the stool, we can decide which of those legs is important for us. I would say in my presentation and today, the advisor has the same options in front of them. Their business model, they can decide whether they're going to recruit new advisors to join their business. They're going to try and develop new leads to get new clients to join for um, client acquisition, or they can go out and buy practices. Any of those three can be avenues of growth. The question is, is do they have a strategy for any one of those legs? Do they make a decision? Or is, so their growth is purposeful versus accidental. And th so that was it is, I don't have a preference for what leg they choose, but do they have a conversation? And then are they doing efforts to reach not just a goal but are they reaching to build their capabilities to support that leg of the stool if they want to grow through recruiting what do they have do they have people they have processes a value proposition if they want to grow organically do they do coaching do they uh, use our coaching programs do they bring in marketing programs do they do campaigns what are they doing to grow organically and then if it's an acquisition what are they doing to find people for sale or network and stuff so there are um, there are approaches to each of those legs of the stool I talk about how we coach to decide which one you want to be in. And to your point, if an advisor chooses one of three, two of three, or all three, that's okay. The question I'm going to ask from a, my consulting hat is, okay, do you have the resources necessary to do all three or one? And whatever that answer is, then let's go build a plan to hit that. And the consultative approach, do you ever find yourself, because I know that you enjoy you know, consulting both with financial professionals as well as employees, but do you ever find yourself having to convince someone that they should think differently about something? And what's the skill to that? If there's somebody out there listening that wants to, they aspire to be Jeff Avakwa, the president of a growth engine in some company, whether it be you know, a financial professional in their own, like what's the key to being able to redirect somebody when you're in the consulting approach? I would say my approach, wrong or right, is I try to get them to take their financial professional hat off. They have they wear many hats in their business. And uh, I'll say all the time, this conversation, take your financial professional hat off, I need to talk to the business owner. And sometimes that's making a decision with a different hat. And I'll say a financial professional has a lot of different hats. It is the financial professional hat from investment management and planning. It's the business owner hat, it could be HR, it could be technology, it could be compliance, supervision. They all wear those hats. Whether they have team members that eventually as they grow and fill in those roles, that's great, but they still wear that hat to some degree. So the consulting approach is getting to make sure they're wearing the right hat when they're thinking about something, deciding a plan of action, just, uh, making a, a path. Do they have the right hat and how are they deciding? Because if not, then they're probably, they're probably going to go off and the journey, they can control it, but it may not get the results they wanted. 20 years ago or so, we talked a lot about practices, right? And now we're really talking about businesses. And that's to the success of the entire industry, but it was a big shift, a big pivot for all of us to them, financial professionals, as well as us in serving them, since that's what we're here to do. So um, it's just been, an, and I think consulting has become more important, in my personal opinion, in the last 10 years than it probably was the first 20 of my career, because it's a different world. It, it, and the nice thing, I think probably more so at Cambridge than my prior lives, is sometimes the consulting is both professional and personal. And that's probably just as rewarding because the financial professional will 
trust you enough to say this is going on or this is going on at the same time. So it's how do you manage that noise? And it's talking through it. And it's not to play a psychologist or stay at a Holiday Inn last night and, and do that. It's just it's all part of the conversation. You can't you can't eliminate it and say this isn't going on. So I'm going to make my decision like, no, you're, you're making a decision with all the factors that are going on and making sure that this noise isn't going to take away from your strategy. And if so, how do we deal with the noise? And that's OK. And, and most of the time, consulting conversations are both personal and professional. Well said. And we have fun doing that, right? Yes. Relationships are king around here. So I know giving back is important to you personally. It's a key to our culture here at Cambridge. You've been a member of the board of directors for the Invest in Others Charitable Foundation since 2016, and I believe currently serve as their vice chair. What can you tell us about the organization, what it means for the industry, what it means for you personally, and um, other industry and community activities that you're involved in as well? From a personal perspective, I think we all have charitable efforts we pursue. Like I have my own personal ones for that are probably ingrained with me from family, grandparents, and, and, and such. And I would say that's what defines me. What I've learned from Invest in Others, there's a lot of firms, competitors with Cambridge that they support charities. I, what I've seen in, in my lives that they all pick a charity and that's what they support as an organization. And Cambridge is no different. We do stuff from a local level community. We travel with um, Ignite, the national conference. We support local charities and stuff. So very philanthropic from Eric on down. What I see with Invest in Others is it, it starts to be an amplification of all financial professionals in the in the industry, whether it's in wires, regionals, independents, fee only, et cetera. And that's been that's been an interesting charitable push from my perspective, because I've never seen so much philanthropic effort. And it's grown over the years. So Invest in Others has been there 16 years. I've been there just since 2016. And it's grown in those its own 16 years. It's expanded from a few independent firms to now uh, 40 plus firms that make membership of the board of directors and doesn't even include all the firms that support invest in others which is in the financial firms it's in technology vendors legal firms there's been so much of an uh, evolution of the model it is now in the last year and a half we've also expanded to staff of advisors offices and what are they most charitable about or people in a tech vendor how do we recognize their charitable efforts so for me i i see it it's a growing organization after 16 years um, we crossed giving a million dollars away in revenue just um, a year or two ago and we have our sights set on hitting 10 million of revenue within a short period of time and all in the vein of giving that back and recognizing whether it's um, at our annual event whether it's at regional events throughout the year or different grant programs from in different categories from community to diversity etc like how do we just show and spotlight all the good things that are happening in financial services and wealth management don't just happen inside with a client they they giving back to their communities and i think we all like to talk about cambridge supports main street not wall street to some degree and all of our financial professionals are dotted across the country and they all support communities and it's probably the it's helping expand that reach we can't take our national conference to every community but there's but invest in others probably helps us extend that reach a little bit more 
Congratulations on your contributions to the efforts. It's been interesting as an outside observer to watch them expand and grow. It's a good example of stronger together, probably. Our voice is stronger together and our impact can be stronger together. So I think it's been really awesome and I've enjoyed watching your passion around it. Tell our listeners a little bit about our most recent Cambridge charitable efforts. I know you're also passionate about something we've done here locally, so please share. Cambridge, uh, you know, Fairfield, Iowa, Southeast Iowa, no different than probably other states and communities across the country that have, that may be looking for additional childcare solutions. Growing families, growing populations need an, an additional opportunities. If people want to stay and pursue career opportunities, how can we support them? And childcare to me is one of those things. So we're, we probably didn't have a lot of childcare options in Fairfield. We've had involvement with our local economic development authority. We have involvement with our local chamber um, and surrounding chambers and some of the other communities. And it's a common theme. Like how do we always have and provide more childcare? Um, when the opportunity presented itself to do a research study with both the Chamber and the Economic Development Authority, Cambridge was in full support of it, um, and how to do it. If we were going to expand child care in the Fairfield community and county and the, the region, how do we do it? So studying different cities uh, in Iowa, different companies that have been supportive of that, you start to say, okay, this is how Fairfield did it. And that's exactly what happened. Fairfield came together, leading companies along with Cambridge, came together to figure out how it can be solved inside of our community. And then companies like Cambridge stepped up to kind of make that reality a vision. So uh, we're, we were proud to announce the, the announcement of building what we call the Cambridge Little Achiever Center. In January, we're gonna have the grand opening ribbon cutting ceremony. And what's exciting about that is it will provide opportunities for families to have childcare they didn't have before. And that's gonna start 20, that one of the things for 2023 is, is a bright outlook from that perspective. We know that we had a lot of interest just from Cambridge families when they announced that they were opening in, in January and, and such. So I can imagine how many more families have expressed interest in that and giving them an option they didn't have before. So it's, I think from a, how could Cambridge support that? Uh, it's beneficial to Cambridge, but it's beneficial to the community and our associates. The uh, community has given us a lot of gifts over the 25 years I've been here and the 40 years Cambridge's, or Cambridge and its predecessors have been here, and it's really awesome to find these opportunities that are extremely valuable to give back. So thank you for all your efforts there as well. So I'm going to put you on the spot, my friend. Cambridge has benefited greatly. I'm so glad that you took my second or third phone call trying to recruit you to move to Fairfield, <laughs> Iowa, um, and we've benefited really in so many ways, with you being a part of our company and our leadership team. But what are you most proud of since you joined this Cambridge family? What is it that you look, will look back on? Or you have a young daughter yourself, and I'll let you talk about your family here um, in more detail in, in a little bit on my closing favorite question. But if Franny asked you today to talk about the difference that you've made and what you're most proud of, what would you tell her? Besides her. Yeah. And in true Jeff fashion, I'll probably start the answer from a different perspective. Coming here 14 years ago was the right decision at the right time. So my family, I would say my family sacrificed a lot to for my brother and I, putting us through school and stuff and, um, and other things. And 
it helped me make the right decisions along the way. Because without that stuff, I probably wouldn't be sitting here today talking to you and having Franny and everything else. So from, from the perspective of the industry has given me a lot of opportunities, family gave me a lot, a lot of opportunities, the industry has given me a lot, a lot of opportunities. Coming to Cambridge um, brought a lot of new things. It brought family, it brought Franny um, into my life. And without those things, I, I can't imagine what it would be without. So it's, it, I look back and without tearing up, it's worth, it, it, I can't describe how it was worth the move, personally and professionally. Um, and I'm not done yet from that perspective. Like, this is the fun part. Going back to your question about what do we do every day, like, this is the fun part for me. So personally, and I'll connect this to advisors, I believe there's a phrase called paying it forward, but I also believe in the phrase paying it backwards. So family did a lot for me, how do I give back to them? The industry has given a lot to me, how do I give it back? The financial professionals that choose Cambridge give all of us the opportunity that we have in front of us, so how do we give back? So it's it's a two-way street. It's just not forward for me. You always answer things extremely in an extremely humble manner, but I guess I will just tell the listeners that I'm a first-class observer of Jeff's family-first values. I don't know a lot of people that would move their mother and their grandmother and their uncle along with them to a small community in the middle of nowhere because you we're taking a risk, whether you knew it or not. Who knew? I know we knew each other, but we didn't know where this was all going to go. And, and you moved them all here. I hope the community has given them a good life. And I'm thrilled. I was thrilled when you met your beautiful wife. And you know me, I always love when you guys leverage yourselves up so you can't leave. <laughs> so buying the houses and starting a family has all been really fun to watch. So I guess it goes both ways. We give You've given to us, and hopefully Cambridge continues to give to you and your family. And in the end, we're part of the family, and so are our financial professionals. So, Yeah. Now, I would say, you know I'm a warm-weather kind of guy. So as I look <laughs> out the window and I see the wind and the rain and the cold weather coming, I'm like, this tan doesn't happen all by itself. So if you could fix the weather in Southeast Iowa, that would be perfect. Now, I just recommend to keep traveling. <laughs> Travel when you can. So... I have one other question you're probably a little unprepared for, but, um, you know, I like to throw those in. You spend a lot of time, and I think it's because you, I know it's because you enjoy it, mentoring people. But maybe while you've been here at Cambridge without using any names, is there one story that you would share with our listeners? This is in the spirit of giving back as well. You're giving to others as you mentor them, but that you would share that you look back and, and you know that you know, your your advice was taken and somebody else had some successes out of it? I'm not sure if there's any one specific example, but I'll come back to my approach. Um, I mentioned earlier, try to ask the right questions, right? My brother would always say it was the bane of his existence while we were growing up that I was always answer a question with a question. Me too. <laughs> He and I will need to commiserate on that one. <laughs> and the, the thought there is if I tell somebody the answer, family or, or business, then did that person learn to um, go through the process of dissecting, thinking of it for themselves, what, all those, whatever word you want to use, strategic decision process and stuff. So it was never to avoid or live in the land of gray. 
but it was always for the better of the person sitting across from me. Like, did they know the answer and they were gut checking with me, like what they already thought was the case? Well, then let's just have that conversation of what that person's thinking, because otherwise then they might just be back the next day asking the same question. So if I could, I think this is probably more general than specific example to your question, is if that helps any and everybody that I come in contact with, if that impacts them in some way and makes them a better associate or a better leader in the future because they learn to ask the right questions or learn what they need to do to um, solve a problem, then I'll sit back and be like, good. I think that's good advice for any listener that's out there trying to sharpen their leadership and mentoring skills for sure. The key attribute there as I was listening to you that I picked up on is patience. And you certainly have enough patience to keep asking the questions till they reach the answer themselves. Not all of us can do that as consistently as you. So um, I, I think, uh, you know, there's probably no right or wrong to it, but that strategy definitely has had a lot of success around here for a lot of people that you've touched. I will say in the vein of you control the journey, I'll say that in an associate's mind too. Do I care if it takes them two months or six months to learn Cambridge, like if there's a new person joining the firm, I'm more worried that they get to the point of the journey and finish the journey to get to it versus how fast they get there. Um, there was a movie quote that um, I remember and what a movie quote. I know <laughs> I, I got to bring one into this. I can't do this without a movie quote. If it takes five minutes to think of a plan, it wasn't much of a plan. So don't overanalyze it, but don't go too little or underanalyze it. So. I, I try to say, like, how can somebody get to where they need to be? And that's more important. And then if we do that right, then all of Cambridge will be better off, including the financial professional. So we're at that favorite part of my podcast where I try to let people know if they're listening that we have lives outside of business. And we did a little bit of, we had a little bit of conversation about your family, but um, share with our listeners, if you would, what you do when you're not here working really hard. What do you do to have fun? Well, being that warm weather kind of guy, um, being around water is a lot of fun. Um, most people listening may not know it. I'm a social kind of guy. So, you know, the, the water sports, the water skiing, you're out on the lake, you're doing something at the end of the, or I'm golfing and I'm golfing with a group of people and we're doing something, or we're going to Las Vegas for March Madness. At the end of the day, what it's at the root of all of those activities is people. So being a social person, um, I, I get the most enjoyment. I could be sitting on a couch and on a patio watching everybody just hang out, and that is as enjoyable as doing any other activity. So for me, those things are fun. And Cambridge and the industry has allowed me to be able to enjoy those kinds of activities. activities. I'm glad we give you some time to be able to do that. It's important, yeah. right? We, the old saying, work hard, play hard, um, does have some value. You've got to at least fit a little bit of that playtime in and, and have some downtime. All those activities make memories, which turn into stories. And when you're with a group of people, there's no shortage of stories. Great point. And then I know you well enough to know that you turn around and use a lot of those stories to make your points for consultative purposes or um, demonstration purposes on a go forward. So I guess it all comes full circle. It does. Amazing how fun and um, work can come hand in hand. So what have I not asked you that you think my listeners should know about you or your achievements about Cambridge? 
This is meant to celebrate you. Yeah. <laughs> and I know that's not easy for you, but. I would, you already hit on it, I would say, is uh, if I could finish the private pilot's license, that would be, to your point about coming full circle, if I could finish that, that would be a, a good feather in the cap to say where I started and where I'm at. That doesn't mean I'm done uh, in anything we're doing. It's just like, it's not so much about checking off a box. It's about, it's a fun activity. So um, sitting on a plane, if I could see out the front of the cockpit window, if I have to look out the side, doesn't matter. Let's make that happen, my friend. Congratulations on a wonderful 2022 year for you on all your achievements. Thank you for being you and being an important part of Cambridge and my life. Right back at you. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to Cambridge Stronger. I invite you to listen to my podcast episodes where I have candid conversations with genuine inspirational financial professionals and leaders within this fiercely independent financial services industry. The best of the best, the strongest of the strongest. You can listen to my podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Pandora, iHeartRadio, and the Podbean app. We are Cambridge Stronger.